0: This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals. The information presented is for general educational purposes only and should not be used as professional medical advice or for the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions.
1: The views and opinions expressed do not represent the views and opinions of our employer or any affiliated institution. Expressed opinions are based on scientific facts under certain conditions and subject to certain assumptions and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions, or in any legal proceeding.
0: Full terms and conditions can be found at PortableBeats.com. And now on to the episode.
1: Welcome back to Portable Beats. We missed you guys over the past week, and we're so ready to kick this week off with a case focused on lysosomal storage disorders, so let's launch right in. The question for this week reads, a worried mother presents to your outpatient pediatric office with her two-and-a-half-year-old son after scrapbooking during her free time in the pandemic. She states that he has overall been healthy without concern, and because of this pandemic, they have not been in to see you for over a year. She became concerned a few days ago when she noticed that compared to previous pictures, her son's nose, tongue, lips... Cheeks and head have all become bigger and he seems a little more stiff than before. On your exam, you note an inguinal hernia on the right, hepatomegaly, stiff joints, coarse facial features, and an unremarkable optho exam. A CBC in your lab is unremarkable. Which disease and appropriately paired genetic inheritance pattern are you most suspicious of? A. Hurler syndrome with X-linked recessive inheritance. B. Hunter syndrome with X-linked in- recessive inheritance. C. Ty Sachs with autosomal recessive inheritance. D. Gaucher disease, which until I was today years old, I thought was Goucher disease. Me as well. (laughs) With autosomal recessive inheritance. And E. Neiman-Pick disease with X-linked recessive inheritance. So take a few seconds, think about what you think the correct answer is, and we'll be back to discuss.
0: So Sammy, the correct answer is answer choice B, Hunter syndrome. Let's go ahead and walk through each of these choices. Answer choice A was Hurler syndrome, X-linked recessive. For those of you who were torn between this answer and answer choice B, Hunter syndrome, you were so close. There are a few things that make this answer incorrect. Hurler syndrome is the most severe of the mucopolysaccharidoses, a subgroup of the lysosomal storage disorders. The clinical science of this disorder can be attributed to a defect in the IDUA gene, which codes for the lysosomal enzyme alpha-L-idironidase, rendering the cells unable to break down mucopolysaccharides. This causes accumulation of dermatin and heparin sulfates in the cell and leads to the clinical signs and symptoms and is also the key to diagnosis. Clinical signs of corneal clouding, hepatosplenomegaly, heart disease, macroglossia, poor growth, coarse facial features, and stiff joints are also present. Confirmatory diagnostic testing includes dermatin and heparin sulfates present in the urine and fibroblasts and leukocytes with decreased alpha-L-idironidase activity. Stem cell transplant is the treatment of choice for patients under 2.5 years old before the developmental deterioration begins. Enzyme replacement therapy is recommended for all patients to attenuate neurologic symptoms. Prognosis remains poor with death typically occurring between 10 to 15 years old. Given this answer incorrectly pairs the genetic inheritance and the child
1: presents without corneal clotting, it is incorrect. Now, what about answer choice B? Yeah, so answer choice B, Hunter syndrome, with an X-linked recessive inheritance pattern, is the correct answer. So, Hunter syndrome is one of only three lysosomal storage disorders that is inherited in an X-linked recessive fashion. Hunter syndrome is caused by a deficiency of iduronate-2-sulfatase, leaving the lysosome unable to degrade glycosaminoglycans. Or, if you remember from above, this is the same exact thing as the mucopolysaccharides, same molecule, and includes heparin and dermatin sulfates. The most common presenting clinical features that are consistent with the patient. Described in the vignette above include coarse facial features, hearing loss, hepatosplenomegaly, and progressive stiff and contracted joints. Another key to the diagnosis is the presence of dysostosis multiplex.
0: Now, oh, wait a minute, Sammy. What is that?
1: Yeah, so I actually had to look this up when I was reviewing. So it's essentially the constellation of bony abnormalities seen on X-rays of patients with mucopolysaccharide disorders. It includes an enlarged skull, spatulate ribs, hypoplastic epiphysis, which I can never say that word, thickened diaphysis, and the classic gibbous deformity, which I also had to look up, and is an anterior collapse of one or more of the vertebral bodies resulting in a kyphosis. It is not specific to this disease process per se, but it can be a key diagnostic clue when looking at images. Well, thanks for telling us more about that, because I had no
0: idea what that meant.
1: Yeah, radiology is a whole different world. Um, there are many overlapping features between hunter and hurler, which makes A and B really hard to decipher between. But the two main features that make this choice correct are the fact that it's the right inheritance pattern associated with this disorder, and there's no corneal clouding present on exam, which is remarked in the question stem by saying that the opto exam is unremarkable. The diagnostic testing is actually the same as for Hurler syndrome, but the prognosis is worse, with the only viable treatment option being enzyme replacement therapy. Stem cell transplants have really not proven to be effective, and typical life expectancy is around 10 to 20 years, although some patients with more mild disease have been seen to live longer. So now do you want to walk us through answer choice C?
0: Sure, Sammy. So answer choice C is Tay-Sachs, autorecessive inheritance. Tay-Sachs is an autosomal recessive disorder caused by hexosaminidase A deficiency. Disease presentation has a bimodal peak with an infant onset group, which is less than two years old, and a juvenile or adult onset group. In the infantile group, the signs and symptoms you may notice include macrocephaly, hypotonia, decreasing eye contact, as these babies can have progressive blindness, or hyperacusis, which parents may report as the baby jumping to sounds. Developmental delays are very often seen and may be as mild as slight motor weakness or as severe as profound psychomotor regression. When these patients present later in life, they will often present with ataxia, choroarthosis, or dysarthria. A classic association with infant onset Tay-Sachs is the cherry red macula, which is seen with disease progression, whereas this is not present in the juvenile or adult onset form of the disease. Unfortunately, this disease has a very poor prognosis, with children affected by the infantile subset passing away by four years of age, and the juvenile subset decompensating into a chronically debilitated state.
1: Now, what about answer choice D, Sammy? My favorite, now known as Gaucher disease, not Gaucher disease. So much learning today. (laughs) Um, So this is correctly paired as an autosomal recessive inheritance pattern disease, Um, but this is not, unfortunately, how our patient presented This is a fascinating disease, and it is actually due to a deficiency in glucocerebrosidase. It is the most common of the gangliosidoses and typically presents in infanthood. Unfortunately, it's not the right answer, as the presentation of this patient is not consistent with Gaucher disease. Babies will present with hepatosplenomegaly on exam, thrombocytopenia and anemia on lab work, and with pathologic fractures. A fun board's buzzword associated with this condition is the quintessential Erlenmeyer flask-shaped distal femur seen on x-ray of children with this disease. There are actually three forms of Gaucher disease, which are separated by the presence and extent of neurologic manifestations. Testing can actually begin in the primary care setting with a beta-glucosidase leukocyte test, but then a referral to genetics for further workup would be warranted. Treatment is with the same kind of enzyme replacement therapy that we had discussed previously, or with something called substrate reduction therapy, which is, I would say, beyond the scope of this question for right now. Do you wanna take us through our last answer choice E, Neiman-Pick disease? Sure. So last but not least
0: is Neiman-Pick disease. By this point, we know that this answer is not correct. While this is a very rare disease, there are some great learning points that we should talk about. Neiman-Pick disease is not actually one disease, but a group of diseases inherited in an autosomal recessive fashion. All subtypes present with problems with fat metabolism, either due to a deficiency in acid sphingomyelinase, which is present in Neiman-Pick type A and B, or due to the accumulation of N-esterified cholesterol and glucosphingolipids. This is present in Neiman-Pick type C. In types A and B, the body cannot break down the sphingomyelin, and it accumulates in the liver, spleen, and brain, which as you can imagine is less than ideal. You can think of type C as essentially the inability to mobilize cholesterol and related substances. Again, this is less than ideal, and these deposit in various organs throughout the body. Given the variety of organs that can be affected, these children can present with a multitude of symptoms. Common to all of these subtypes are the symptoms of difficulty with feeding, difficulty with learning, seizures, and the gradual loss of motor skills. Well, I think that does it for all the answer choices, Sammy. Wow. I think next time
1: Ryan has to say all the enzyme names, because this is unfair. (laughs) Too many enzymes. So many enzymes. So what a great review of a very difficult subject. In
0: my opinion, these disorders highlight the need for primary care physicians with great clinical acumen to be able to pick up subtle changes in order to diagnose these diseases early. Talk about the real superheroes. Thank you for listening this week, and be sure to send us any recommendations for topics that you want to hear. See you guys next week.